Welcome to the official podcast of PHP Architect. Join us to listen to the latest news and tech talk from our conferences, the magazine, and wider PHP community. You're listening to the PHP Podcast for December 2021, Volume 20, Issue 12, The Zen of Mindful Programming. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me is John Congdon. Um, That's all I got. (laughs) This episode of PHP Podcast is sponsored by our good friends over at HoneyBadger. The web developer's secret weapon. HoneyBadger offers exception, uptime, and cron monitoring all in one place, and it is easily installed into your web application. Deploy with confidence and be your team's DevOps hero. Their list of features can fit a team of any size. Are you just starting out? A fantastic free plan for life that you can use while your traffic is low. Are you an established business? Perfect. You should have a system in place to alert you to errors in real time, not finding out when your web visitors complain, if they ever do. In addition, their third-party integrations will let you connect some of the most commonly used alerting services so that you can know at a moment's notice if things go wrong. Head over to HoneyBadger.io to sign up for a free account to get started. And while you are listening to a PHP podcast, HoneyBadger supports so many languages, including Ruby, JavaScript, Elixir, Python, Go, and so many more. Head over to HoneyBadger.io and start your trial today. Hey, John. Hey, Eric. End of the year, buddy. Made it. Made it to the end of another year. That we I did. Was, and we couldn't have done it without a little meditation, without a little focus. And I exactly. Think, uh, we talk about that this month a little bit. First off, yeah. Let's 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 call out the elephant in the room. We did a little something different with the cover. We did, and I gotta say, I'm liking it. Haven't gotten a ton of feedback on it yet, but. Those that don't know, PHP Architect Magazine's been around since 2003-ish, somewhere around there. And if you if you go back in the archives of phparch.com, you'll see a completely different magazine. I mean, it's it evolves, it happens. And you and I were looking back through them, and we're like, kind of like that header the way it is. And so we adapt, we adapted it to the newer kind of trademark of PHP Architect with the brackets. And then we did something different. You and I were talking, and then decided, you know. We don't need all of the article names on the cover because this thing isn't on newsstands current. And I think that's the big reason for having those things is you're you're at the checkout stand and you, you see a title that, that catches your eye and you want to open the magazine. Right now, you kind of have the magazine, so you already have a subscription or you don't, and you're seeing it on our site where you have all of that data anyway. So just a nice, clean cover. And it worked out perfect to be the first one around this Zen concept. You know, clean, kind of peaceful, like a just a nice, clean slate. I like it. Very, yeah, it's very calming. Kind of brings you in. Yeah, I agree. I, I would like to hear some feedback from people. Like, do you find the text on the cover of the magazine helpful? You know, maybe... You're a longtime subscriber, and every now and then you'll flip through your magazines to try to find an article, and that information on the cover helps you. Now, we're fine with all of that. We just wanted to try something different. Like I said, this was a good magazine to do that with the whole Zen kind of theme that we have. But you're you're the you're the customer. You tell us what works best for you, and uh, we will adapt. Exactly, and we want to hear from you, good and bad. That's just the way it works, for sure. More good would be better, though. <laughs> from from my ego, <laughs> from my mental state, more good would be better. But yes. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and jump into it then. Our first feature is around mindful programming, brought to you by Doug Dabrzerinski. I. Butcher that. I'm sorry, Doug, but 
I like the reminder to be more present in my daily life. I was talking to my wife who doesn't know anything about programming outside of what I've told her. She actually has a degree in mental health counseling. So when I told her we had a whole article around mindful programming and just being more doing, she was really happy about that. She's like, it's not PHP specific, it's in general, and it's just a good topic, good reminder. Yeah, this was very much an outside the box sort of article for the magazine. I mean, we have we have discussed PHP adjacent sort of topics like, you know, databases and workflows and tools, but this was very different and but very very applicable. What's that word? Applicable? Very applicable. Very that I word. word. <laughs> <laughs> very important to to developers to to taking consideration. I know I'm very bad at this, but after reading this article, I have been making sure that I take at least 30 minutes of my day to just stand up and go for a walk outside, outside the house, outside the office, outside the house. I get outside and get some sunlight and go for a walk for 30 minutes. And that was directly from reading this article. Just give my brain, no matter how much of a flow I think I'm in or how focused I think I am at this point, more importantly, when I'm not focused, Mm -hmm. just kind of take a moment, take a break, give my mind a moment to kind of reset and then get back at it. This was a good good read. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that you're doing that. That's great. And I I agree. He he actually goes into some, a lot more detail and science and a bunch of stuff in here even down to the name of the different types of therapy, like dialectical behavioral therapy. So really interesting. Our second feature comes from Torsten Dittman, Lessons Learned from Building a WebSocket Server. In this one, Torsten doesn't specifically say he works for this company, but the way he wrote the article, it makes it sound like he works for AppRite. But he does he does talk about an API that they make available, and they, they wanted to get rid of the polling aspect. If you make a call to their API and... You want to see if anything changed. You make another call 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute later. I guess found that being a burden. So we wanted to set up a real-time solution using WebSockets where you basically just connect and then you sit and wait for events to happen and get updates. So it just goes through the architecture, touches on Swole being an asynchronous, uh, not application, asynchronous pipeline to get data or have connections. And we've been talking about Swole a lot lately. Geez, it seems like quite a few times this year, there's been various articles on it. And now with the new PHP 8.1 fibers, I think it's going to go to the next level, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the idea anyways. A lot of these projects, a lot of these asynchronous projects will start to take advantage of fibers. Right. So yeah. So yeah, he just steps through the thought process, some considerations they made to get a real-time API up and running. Good. Our next article is yet another feature, three feature articles for the price of two this month. You're welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. One of our everyday contributors, our every month contributors, Edward Bernard, contributed a feature article calling called Designing for MySQL Transaction Failures. And he did a does a great job of stepping through and talking about problems that we have. We always code for the happy path. The happy path mm-hmm. is easy. It does exactly what we want to do. But what happens when you go to make four insert statements in a row in your code and two work and two fail. Do you catch that? How do you know? I remember when I was in college learning about transactions and didn't pay attention at all in class. I was a terrible student. So I very rarely used 
transactions at this point unless I have to. But he does a good job of making the case for them and goes even further, starts touching on domain-driven design, I think sort of leading into event sourcing and then storing every event that's happening in your system so that you know when things break down and where they're breaking down. You got to this point in your code and then you went to do something, it failed, you can kind of go research and find out what happened. So overall, a great, great article. That's ironic. You don't use transactions a lot because I'm pretty sure you're the one that introduced me to transactions. Really? Yeah. I, I, I use them when I have not mm-hmm. just to use I remember it was very, very early in our friendship and I was talking about having a problem where I was running multiple database queries and exactly that one would fail which would like invalidate all the rest of the record that i had ran up to that point and you explained to me about transactions and mm-hmm. i felt like it was one of those moments where i'm a self-taught php developer and it was one of those moments where i really felt like an idiot like oh my god i can't believe there was something this simple out there that i didn't know about and uh, yeah that's the frustration with myself is I know about them. I know what they do. I just, I always feel like you need to use them at the proper time. And Mm -hmm. I've never, I always thought it was in a chunk of code. But if you use something like Doctrine, it's kind of built in for you. Like Mm -hmm. Doctrine waits until you call flush and then puts everything in a transaction, does all the database work and commits it. I think I was always terrified of forgetting to do the commit or not committing and then it breaking anyway. But Again, if you code for the happy path, that's the whole point is you get to the end of the happy path and you commit. And if something else breaks, you don't have all of the abandoned data or the orphan data. I don't know. All right. We're going to move on. John, you know me. I'm a a framework junkie. I've always been. I'm a big fan of frameworks. And with the introduction of Composer, I've become a huge fan of packages. But we, we keep a pretty close eye on security vulnerabilities and issues with the frameworks we use. How close of an eye are we keeping on the vulnerabilities of the packages we use within those frameworks? And Eric Mann addresses this with vulnerability and outdated components in this month's Security Corner. Yeah, it's getting easier. There are now tools out there. GitHub does a good job of monitoring, especially Composer and NPM files to see what third-party libraries you're using. It doesn't help if you install them directly into your code base, but if you are using package managers and vulnerabilities are found, it's we're getting better at knowing that that's happening, mm-hmm. but it's still a huge concern. I mean, we've seen it even in PHP itself. If somebody can get code into the, the language and it's not caught, we're going to install it. We're going to update to the latest PHP, and then all of a sudden, everyone's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. PHP is an extreme example, but we all use all of these, even the tiniest packages. And then you even have the packages we install that we know we're installing use other packages. Mm -hmm. So you have this this big tree of code that's getting into your code base, whether you know it or not. Keeping an eye on these vulnerabilities is is and can be very daunting. And we haven't even, that's only one direction. One of the things that Eric touches in this article are the components within the server that PHP is dependent on. So we have our security vulnerabilities within PHP, but there's the web server. In in this example, Eric's talking about a, a Apache exploit. You know, you've got your database server. You know, there's just so many other adjacent, not even adjacent, just other aspects of components. security around an application than just the application itself that you really have to keep in mind. This one was scary. And I'm happy that Eric did a good job of 
giving exact ways to test your server. So you run a little, a little bit of a <clears throat> script and you'll see if you are vulnerable. And basically it could allow denial of service attacks on other sites using your server to aid in that. Mm-hmm. Not fun stuff. So we, we talked a little earlier about Torsten Bittman's lessons learned from building a WebSocket server. And this month, Joe Ferguson, if you want to move your application to utilize WebSockets, well, if you want to use, move your Laravel application to, 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 to deliver <laughs> WebSockets, Joe Ferguson talks about Octane and Roadrunner. So Octane is this implementation within, within the Laravel ecosystem the Laravel framework that allows you to run asynchronous applications with very little effort on your part as far as setting it up. And you have a couple of options. You have Swool, which we talked about in the previous article, or you can use Roadrunner, which is what Joe Ferguson touches on. And he does a good job of going through, setting everything up, things you need to think about, and just helps get you up and running. Yeah, it's ridiculously easy. Very happy with this. I, I, we talked about it a little bit on our PHP Ugly show, and you and I talked about it, you know, as well. I really want to find a good use case for a, an asynchronous application. I feel like they're out there within the projects we have now. I just, I'm not in the right mindset to, to architect that way, but I really want to leverage an asynchronous solution for something we're doing. We'll find something. Yeah. I'm sure it's out there. And also this month, I talk a little bit more about PHP Foundation. So in Community Corner this month, I don't do an interview. Um, If you recall, last month, the big news was the, the move, the creation of this PHP Foundation, which is this idea of you know, giving PHP core developers some sort of avenue to be funded for the work that they do. That's one of the missions or one of the goals behind the foundation is to kind of become that way of funding core developers. You got to, um, you got to actually talk with one or two people that kind of helped get us started, right? It was that's mostly correct. it was mostly JetBrains because they were funding Nikita Popov. Basically, they hired him and he basically worked on core he moved on. They, they took the money or some of the money they were paying him and started this foundation. And now there's a bunch of big names behind it. Uh, we've had articles in the past from Joe Ferguson on Craft CMS, for example, WordPress or Automatic, Laravel. So a bunch of companies put money into this. <coughs> <We're>, PHP Architect. <laughs> PHP Architect, Diego Dev. Because we, we make our money because of PHP. So we wanted to give a little back as well. And it's open to anybody. If, if you're listening and you make a living off PHP right now and you can afford to donate just a, a little bit, you know, five, 10 bucks a month, you know, it's all going to add up to helping hire the best talent and to keep the PHP language moving forward. So that link is in your article. Here be dragons. Ed Bernard brings us solution space. Yes. Ed's talked about it in the past. He has a nice long article about some of the time he worked at the National Security Agency, the NSA, which is which is weird. You don't typically hear people talking about their time working at the NSA. So it's it's cool that he's had the opportunity to share some of this. I mean, he's talking specifically about an issue that they they had to, to address within not even a project, something that they were working on within the NSA, which is pretty cool, and how they managed to find that solution. To be clear, he's not sh- sharing any secrets. <laughs> I sure hope not. I- I'm sure. I'm sure if he were, we'd have known by- about it by now. Like our website would have been down for some Good. mysterious reason. <laughs> <laughs> but if you read every other word in reverse, 
and then do something else. You'll figure out the secret. <laughs> so next, we're going to get we're going to move on to PHP puzzles. Break even point by Oscar, and I honestly feel like he's talking directly to us through the puzzle <laughs> article now. John, what do you think? I think so. This was a fun one, and I actually did this. I'm actually trying to find my code right now. I did do it. Look at that. I did not. I did not share it anywhere. But running, running it real quick. I did the base problem, which he gives you a bunch of information, and then says, "Go find the break-even point." And then, as a bonus, he used books, but it applies to our magazine as well. <laughs> Basically, you have print and digital editions. Gives you different pricing wow. for both. Tells you kind of what you know some fake costs are what you are charging for these things and given all that and assuming you sell 70% of your sales are digital 30% are print what where is your break even point and it was funny he walked you through the the simple case of just print i think it was and then the the task or the puzzle was how do you combine both so i worked it out it was fun. So when, the answer. When, when our when our rates go up uh, next year, everybody can thank Oscar because <laughs> he, he showed John how to do the break even point. <laughs> now next month, the the next month's challenge or this month's challenge, which we'll have the solution for next month, is the classic FizzBuzz. Yeah, so, very very common, and I think it still gets used a lot in technical interviews when you're. A, applying for jobs. I don't know how often it's used anymore, but it, from my understanding, I mean, it's been a long time actually applied for a job. It's still a classic example. Can you do this simple puzzle up on a, usually on a whiteboard or something mm -hmm. and get the answer? Yeah. If, if you're a hobbyist developer, or if you've never done development professionally, you might not be familiar with BizBuzz. Give this a try if you haven't. It, it seems it, overly simplistic when you read it. And then as you start to code it, there, there are several different ways to, to code this. And just give it a shot. See how creative you are. And if you really want to challenge yourself and you know coding already, but maybe you want to learn something new like TDD, do the same thing, but start with a test. You know, do test-driven development to solve it. That's interesting. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should try to write that, That's very... That's very common in these coding katas, or code katas, whatever they're called, is doing them over and over again, but in different ways. Whether it's trying a different approach, applying a different design pattern, learning something new like test-driven development. It's a good way to, I know the concept, now I'm going to just try and do it a different way. All right. Education Station. Chris Tinkersley brings us why we argue about PHP upgrades and change. Why we this, argue? We argue all the time. You and I. <laughs> no, it, you know, we've all been through, I shouldn't assume we all, but a lot of us have been through major upgrades. I remember going from 5.2 to 5.6 to 7.4, I think, or 7.3 in a very short period of time because it was a very old system, old code base, where 5.2 to 5.6 was huge and 5.6 to 7x was just incredibly difficult. And Chris brings up great points. And it also ties back to the vulnerable components libraries and components article where the longer you wait to upgrade, if you're not staying on top of them, the harder it becomes, which delays it that much more. And it also brings forth a lot of discussion within even internals where people don't want to make big changes because it makes it harder for other people to upgrade all their code. Yeah, absolutely. And he touches on a couple of events through the history of PHP and specifically how long we were in the PHP 5 era and how slow the cadence of releases got. 
in that era. And that wasn't a good thing, but developers got comfortable without about not worrying about new releases of PHP. Now that cadence has dramatically changed and it's good. We're, we're iterating on the language. We're getting new features. We're getting bug fixes, but the cadence of releases are a lot quicker. They're structured. They're a lot more structured now as well. So as developers, we have to keep that in mind. We just had a discussion internally about the next move we're going to make based on upgrading PHP. But that did create frustration with certain people in the community and whether or not the cadence of release is too too fast now, which there could be, I mean, there are, there are always valid arguments to, right. to things like Both that. Ways. It's hard when you are, when you are relying on libraries and you're using a lot of open source code, you're now relying on them to stay up to date as well. So you may be ready to move to the next PHP, but the code you rely on may not. And, or vice versa, the, the code you rely on is moving too fast. And now you can't keep up with them because now you need to upgrade your system. And it's yep. not just PHP itself. It's all of those combined, different things upgrading at different rates. Yeah. It's a really good article to read. I mean, there aren't solutions. It's just like, hey, you know, these, these are these are all the factors. You know, just keep them in mind. And, and, I, and you know, we, we want PHP to be, get stronger and get faster and get become be more secure. And I think, I think with the cadence of releases we have now, we have that. Yeah. So finally, we have finally, finally, finally we're still rolling. Beth Tucker Long. Yeah. She, she um, touches on the foundation as well quite a mm-hmm. bit. It's funny and because it's a topic. She, her, you have been reading her finally articles in the last couple of months. She had almost been laying the groundwork for, for the PHP foundation, not knowing that this was happening, not knowing that the PHP Foundation was being created, or more importantly, that Nikita was stepping away from PHP. But her previous articles had talked, had been talking a lot about change in the industry and how there's always change, and change can be good, and you just roll with it. And lo and behold, a fairly you know influential developer within our community steps away from PHP, and you know. Beth is basically saying, hey, remember what I told you, right? Just roll with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we all need to just roll with it. Yeah. So that was great. Sure. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I think that is going to do it for December, John. I agree. Uh, how do you Those feel? Are... How do you feel? What did we do? October, November, December. We did three months, right? Yeah, we're a quarter in. We're a quarter of a year in. We are getting better. We still have a lot to learn. We still have a lot we can improve on. Please bear with us. We are getting yeah. there. And if you listen to this podcast and you have some feedback, if there are things, if you're curious about the you know, the behind the scenes stuff that we do to put together the magazine and you'd like to hear some about that, let us know. We're, we're open. But yeah, in general, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for reading. We do appreciate it. Okay, that's it. For Until December next time. 2021. Keep listening. Keep coding. Keep and keep reading. reading. This has been PHP Podcast, the official podcast of PHP Architect. The industry's leading tech magazine and publisher focused on PHP and web development. Subscribe today at phparch.com to see what the leaders in the community and industry are talking about.